2: You've got a guy with with credentials. You got a guy with some qualifications. And now there's just when done at its best provides a level of steadiness and stability that helps create and stimulate success. On-air contributor for six seventy the score. Listen, we're not going to accept the status quo. We are going to push for more. We are going to strive for more.
1: Co-host of the Take the North podcast with our own David Hall. We're going to take the north and never give it back. Dan Wiederer with Malene Haw on six seventy the score. Bear
3: down. Let's go.
1: Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Always fun to talk to our friend Dan Weederer, and he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score hotline, Signature Bank making commercial, making personal. Dan, good morning. How are you?
2: Boys, that is some really good packing snow out there, so if you guys need a little uh, tension breaker at the end of the show, I suggest a snowball fight. <laughs> okay.
1: Good advice. I, I was thinking snowman but that's just me. I'm a very happy guy. There you go. Um, okay, Dan. So so here we are uh, looking at the conference championship games, and, you know, I, I suppose the team, and not, and not the team, but the player that would most uh, be um, closest to or hopeful of would be Jalen Hurts a la uh, Justin Fields. You know, can Justin Fields grow into Jalen Hurts? and Jalen Hurts has made a uh, a pretty quick uh, turnaround to his career, and now here he is in the NFC Championship game. They are at home. They had the bye week. He apparently is healthy after being injured against the Bears, and they welcome the San Francisco 49ers in the early game. There are a lot of positives for uh, Jalen Hurts. Do we Do we kind of – Judge this game and his performance as, uh, as as hopefully the future of Justin Fields. Do we look at it through that prism?
2: Yeah, I mean, you should. And, and it's what a matchup it is to see him go up against the 49ers defense that's going to test him in a lot of different ways and see what he's made of on the biggest stage that he's played on in, in his professional life. And, and, and David and I talked about this a little bit on the podcast, that, that in my opinion, Jalen Hurts uh, does not have the arm talent that Justin Fields has. I think Justin Fields is more dangerous as a runner, too. What's separated Jalen Hurts right now is just his ability to understand what he's seeing and react to what he's seeing quickly. And there's a lesson in that for Justin Fields in, in, in order to, to do what he's talked about doing now for the last year and sort of temper your greed and understand that, you know, a, a six-yard check down that keeps you in front of the chain is sometimes the best play available. And so so just go there and and, and get those yards and, and, and continue a drive and then make sure you keep progressing in that regard. If you can get down that timing and rhythm, that quick decision part, and you've got all of the the physical tools that Justin has, all of the intangible leadership that Justin has, of course he can rise to this level. But it's going to be a steep climb to get there, and they're going to have to be locked in on it every single day uh, to make a similar climb.
4: I like the Hertz comparison because it's one we have made before and seen and makes a lot of sense. But I do think what's interesting about this Final Four, Dan, uh, in the NFC, it's an example of two teams that, frankly, could say that they built around the quarterbacks. They had everything else in place. And then, oh boy, J- Jalen Hurts, that's a pretty good fit right there. Oh boy, 49ers doesn't care who doesn't matter who's taking the snaps because everything else, the infrastructures are in place. Whereas in the AFC, I think it's because Patrick Mahomes is with yeah. the Chiefs, because Joe Burrow is with the Bengals. I know you don't fully agree, but I think this is a great example. Whatever your strengths are, as a football team, as an organization, lean into them because you can make it work if you try hard enough.
2: A thousand percent. I I think this is a fascinating weekend in that regard because you see two different formulas. In the AFC, you have, hey, go cash in your your (laughs) Powerball ticket and, and get a Hall of Fame transcendent player at the most important position in sports and ride that guy as your engine as far as he'll let you go. In the other conference, you got guys that aren't superstars. And by the way, they just beat Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott in the divisional round to get to the NFC championship game. So you don't have these star quality quarterbacks that are on the level of Burrow and Mahomes in the NFC. And yet you've got teams that are built inside out, that have sturdiness and steadiness in the trenches, that have a physicality up front that set the tone for every game, that allows you as a quarterback to not have to be spectacular. Let's face it, Brock Purdy and, and Jalen Hurts, neither one of those guys was spectacular this weekend. And their teams rolled because they are so built so solidly around them that those guys just have to to manage the game, take care of business, and the next thing you know, you're punching your ticket to the next round.
1: You know, it's going to be fascinating to see whether Mahomes can play on a high ankle sprain, whether he can Mm -hmm. be effective if he plays on a high ankle sprain. I keep expecting that he will play, but I'm not sure that that's the best idea. I I just worry that that is – we've seen high ankle sprains, Dan, generally speaking, it takes like six weeks.
2: Really surprising that he came back in that game this weekend and gutted it out the way he did because yeah, high ankle sprains are, are, are nothing to mess around with and they're not comfortable at all. I mean, you can take the triple dose of Toradol if you need to, 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 to numb the pain for an afternoon, but there's going to be some hell to pay on Monday morning when you wake right. up and, and you see the swelling and the ballooning and the, and the you know potential damage that's done there. And so it's a, it's a tough, tough call to make. Uh, you know, it's not an easy game to win without your star quarterback and, and you only get so many bites at the apple. And so to be on this stage, um, you know, I obviously applaud Mahomes for, for doing his best to try to gut this through. And the chiefs are, 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 playing around with something here that's you know probably not the, the most comfortable thing to play around with. We'll see how he reacts. We'll see how, how, how he's able to move. You know, obviously after he came in after that injury this weekend, it just felt like, um, you know he wasn't able to, to plant and, and really just generate the same sort of throwing motion that, that, that we're used to seeing him have. And obviously it takes down his mobility a little bit. So those are going to be big factors. And, and you're playing a, a Bengals team led by a, a quarterback who's obviously fearless and who doesn't care about going on the road and is ready to, to swing every arrow he's got in his quiver at you. And so we'll see what happens.
4: All right, Dan, let's stop, uh, you know, beating around the bush. Did Saquon Barkley play his last game for the giants and how quickly can he get to house <laughs> hall?
2: <laughs> I know you're driving that bus. I know you, you got a, uh, a party bus headed out to, to New Jersey to pick him up and, and roll them down here. <laughs> we'll see. Look, like, I, I know that, that he's not necessarily chasing records setting money, but he's, he's going to be chasing money that's probably far above what the Bears want to pay that position, particularly with the guys they've got in-house that can be, um, you know, contributors uh, at, at a cheaper price. So I, I, don't, I don't see that union happening this is the time of year where you can dream about those things and have fun dreaming about those things. Um, you might just have to pick up a couple other passengers on the party bus up to New Jersey to, to, to get up there with enough people to convince him to get on. Are,
1: are you at all surprised when you look around the league and no vacancies have been filled, no head coaching jobs are yeah. resolved yet? It just seems like, and, and I don't, maybe I'm wrong about this. It seems like there needs to be a shoe to drop. And, and if, uh, If indeed, you know, you figure out where Sean Payton's going, the rest will follow.
2: Yeah, well, it feels like Sean Payton and Dan Quinn are two of the biggest dominoes in here. And obviously Dan Quinn just finished up his season this past weekend. But, yeah, I am surprised. I commented on that to somebody yesterday that, you know, I think today might be the the one-year anniversary of of Ryan Poles being hired. And you know how quickly it was after he was hired that he pulled the trigger and and brought Matt on as his coach. But usually at this point you've got – some movement and some things that are settled and stable and and uh, um you know i always think it's almost reckless how quickly teams try to fill these head coaching roles because i feel like sometimes teams rush into something and then two years down the road they go oh crap why did why did we rush to hire that guy um but yeah this this is unusual uh for the offseason to have nothing filled and and to just be kind of waiting for for everything to to fall into place and the payton thing is obviously one that Um, It's got a lot of mystery attached to it and a lot of intrigue, depending on what his ultimate final decision is.
4: So do you find it ironic at all that you mentioned Ryan Poles a year ago was hired as the Bears general manager? Matt Nagy was fired uh, over a year ago and probably facing a career crisis. Lands on his feet in Kansas City. Now in the midst of one of the biggest stories left in the NFL, Mm -hmm. Matt Nagy could find his way to a Super Bowl one victory away do you think he's going to be one of these guys that gets a look as an offensive coordinator? Cause there are 10 openings around the league.
2: Well, look, I mean, he's just in the quarterback's coach's room right now. And you know, there's a lot of other things in that machine in Kansas city. He may get a, a call. Uh, I, I don't know that, that there's enough out of the 2023 body of work, 22 body of work to, to supersede what happened the previous three years. Um, so I don't know uh, that that would be something that would be heavily on the radar. But again, we talked about this, How about Andy Reid? You know, for for as much credit as we give Patrick Mahomes for being the guy that pushes that thing forward, you know, they went down and scored a 98, had a 98-yard touchdown drive when Patrick Mahomes was out of the game. Uh, And Andy Reid is no stranger to deep runs in the postseason. And the things that he's done in his career, obviously he was able to validate it with that Super Bowl championship, um, you know, in the winter of of early 2020. But man, that guy has been been damn good in the postseason. and, and, And it continues to be the case. And you see that and you go, wow, this is, uh, this is something to take note of because it isn't going to last forever.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, they, uh, they are doing uh, phenomenal. Who would you take? I mean, I, I, if you're lining up these coaches, I think it's Andy and, and Kyle Shanahan vying for that. I think Nick Sirianni, unless he wins the Super Bowl, is always going to be considered, you know, the worst of this bunch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and yeah, you know, Kyle Shanahan uh, on his third quarterback of the year right. um, and then somehow going out and getting a, a weapon in Christian McCaffrey in, in the middle of the season. And they, they haven't missed a beat since. And it's, it's just amazing. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan's the guy I've had a lot of respect for from, um, you know, the time I got into the league and then obviously working closely along Rich Campbell, who knew him really well from Washington, you learn more about kind of what makes him tick and the things that, that make him brilliant as an offensive mind. And you're seeing that play out. Uh, every single week now and that 49ers offense with Brock Purdy Mr. Irrelevant leading it is is just absolutely almost unstoppable at this point with with some of the things that they're doing Um, and so it's gonna be a big challenge for an Eagles defense that's certainly capable uh, uh, of putting up a a fight
4: Bears question for you Dan Darnell Mooney switch agencies I don't know if that means anything it is the same agency that represents Cole Komet and I think Justin Fields He is entering the final year of a real modest, affordable contract, pays him $1 million in 2023. Do you think he's a candidate for a contract extension in the offseason? And if he is, where is he in line? Because there are other players on that roster that might be as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got a a short list here, right, of of the guys from Mooney's draft class, which is Mooney, Komet, and Jalen Johnson. And then you add in Chase Claypool, who I think we all agree we would not touch an extension for at this point without seeing more of what he means to this Bears offense than we saw uh, in a limited sample size in 2022. And so, yeah, I think Mooney is certainly a guy that this organization and this regime values. You've heard the glowing praise um, from the top down. You know, you know, Matty Reflus from George McCaskey and obviously the most important man in the middle, Ryan Poles, who at these many press conferences says he loves Darnell Mooney more now than he did the, the day that he got him. And that was a uh, a lot, you know, the day that he inherited him last year. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Mooney, this, this has been kind of in the rumblings for a while, David, that there may be a switch of agency for Darnell, and now it's up to, to his representatives to go in and um, convince the Bears that he's going to be healthy quickly. Uh, and obviously, I think the Bears will obviously want to let free agency in the draft play out and then see where things are at in the spring and early summer, and then and then you see those talks probably start to heat up.
1: I was amused to see that the Miami Dolphins today will be interviewing two candidates for their defensive coordinator job. One is Vic Fangio, the yeah. other Sean Desai. I mean, it's like, you know, do you want the original or the clone? How do you view this?
2: <laughs> no, you're right. And and it is, you know, it, it's like you have to ask them their asking prices, right? And, then, and so, so <laughs> if, you, if you want the original, you're going to be paying a little bit more. If you want the knockoff, you're going to get a little bit of a of a discount. Um I'm I'm really excited for Vic to get back into this thing. You know, I think the league is better with him in it. He's obviously a a, a brilliant defensive strategist. We saw the results and the fruits of his labor here in Chicago. And I, I'm really eager to see what fit he picks because he can be selective. He does have multiple suitors. He does have a chance to say, Hey, I want to go here. I like the, the assembly of talent there. And, and I'm going to, you know, go, go put my fingerprints all over it. So it's going to be really interesting to see where he lands and, you know, good for Sean for, for continuing what has been a, a, a rapid ascent up the, up the coaching ranks, and we'll see where he lands.
4: All right, Dan, can't let you go without you, briefly, in the interest of time, connecting the dots between <laughs> Oh <Baronis Griseau laughs> wow! and Robbie Gold, who is still kicking 23 field goals in the playoffs later after the Bears cut him in 2016.
2: Yeah, so this is a connected dots, and you said briefly, so I'll go as fast as I can. But obviously, Robbie Gold was cut on Labor Day of 2016. One of the reasons he was cut is because the Bears had to go out that same weekend and and find money to pay Josh Sitton, who had been released in Green Bay and was coming down to Chicago to fill a role on the offensive line that was needed to be filled because Hironis Grassu tore his ACL in a family fest practice in August of that season, and their backup center at the time was Cornelius Edison, and the coaching staff didn't feel super confident going into the regular season with Cornelius Edison as their starting center. And so they moved Cody Whitehair over one spot from guard to center. They needed somebody else, a veteran leader, to fill that guard spot. They signed Josh Sitton. In order to sign Josh Sitton, they thought the easiest money to cut off the roster was a kicker who sometimes was a little bit high maintenance in the, in the building. And here we are with a guy who's 67 for 67 all-time in the postseason, field goals and extra point, points. one game away from going back to the Super Bowl for a third time. And, David, you forgot the one thing. We said that Coldplay played a, a, a two-night concert at Soldier Field a couple weeks before that Family Fest practice. So you might be able to blame Coldplay <laughs> for the turf at Soldier Field that then caused Hironis Grasu's injury that then caused all those things I just said.
1: Thank and, you. And, and I, I appreciate you getting through that, but you missed the payoff, which is Hironis Grasu just got engaged. Did you oh. see that? Yeah, he I did is, not. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it, it's kind of an extraordinary story because he is now the second best uh, athlete in the family. He got engaged to uh, Sabrina Ionescu about two days okay. ago. Okay. Wow. She's, a, she's I, a great basketball player. Yep.
3: Another if
2: Oregon. I'm not mistaken, her. Hironis Pursuit's family owned like a pizza parlor parlor in California, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so there you go. At least you got a place for the rehearsal dinner, right?
4: Robbie Gold cares about another kind of ring, and he can still get it.
1: (laughs) I believe uh, Greco's New York prep uh, pizzeria on Hollywood Boulevard was where uh, he worked. Is yeah, I call?
2: think when Gironis was a rookie, he told us about flipping dough in the air, you know, and being one of those guys behind the scenes that was getting that stuff ready to go.
1: And, and to ju- just tied the whole thing up. I believe yeah. his older brother, Nico, was a place kicker. So there you <laughs> okay, go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so you
2: guys, you guys never know what's going to happen when I come on, but we got to a, a seven-year-old story about Gironis Grasso that led to a, a, a story it's, about his engagement. It's still so relevant.
4: There, though because look at robbie gold still feeding his family kicking field goals when it matters getting to you know the nfc championship game everybody in chicago's happy for robbie gold maybe on yeah. his way to the hall of fame
1: he would never have double doinked. i'll say that again
2: <laughs> that's right and he was there that day too don't forget that that he was in the stadium <laughs> when that ball hit the upright and then the crossbar and then the grass and everybody oh, felt brother. depressed for five years
1: yeah. oh that's awesome uh my last question for you and i know this is so kind of beneath the radar but with Bill O'Brien going back to New England, what now happens to uh, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? They they've got <laughs> they, they made that ridiculous decision to put those guys uh, in charge of the offense. One was a former defensive coordinator, the other special teams coach, all head coaches. But uh, is there room for them? I mean, what happens now? Well,
2: certainly you can shift around some things in your room and try to figure out where you want to go with things. Uh, you know, I mean, like, you've got Bill O'Brien and, and Mac Jones t- together, and, and I think Mac Jones will, will tell Bill O'Brien what he'd like done with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, and, and we'll, see, we'll see where that <laughs> heads. But it goes to show you, you know, that there's so many times where the Patriots make a move, and you go, oh, well, the Patriots, it must be genius. And, and there's, there's things in that lab that blow up and, and and leave old mastermind Bill with a, you know, a charred face and and his safety goggles filled with goop. And this seemed to be one of them where, where Patricia and Judge didn't obviously get done what they needed to get done on that side of the ball.
1: That's awesome. Dan, thank you, buddy. Great catching up with you. Thanks, Dan.
2: Yeah, as always, hey, thanks for the new intro. We got rid of the flat-footed intro, and now we've got the push for more, strive for more intro. So it's a new era in Bears football. It's
4: all Brandon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's all down to Brandon Fryer. All right, 312 644 6767. I can't believe we never talked about that Hironis Grassu story when he got engaged because it was all about uh, Sabrina Ionescu getting engaged. Oh, and it was Hironis Grassu, And I'm like,
0: wow,
4: Mully, how weird. Molly, his name has been mentioned on this radio station more times in the last five minutes
1: than in the last five years. So you can't be that shocked. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spent a whole year. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. You put
4: in the hours, the energy, the tough labor.
0: You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Yeah, it, you know, it's fun to talk some football. It's a fun time of year. These championship games, it's a very valuable period of time, David, because it's going to be gone fairly soon.
4: Oh, I know, and we're going to miss it. And I oh, felt that yeah. Monday night, didn't you? Yes. It was the first Monday night. I know we had the college national championship game wedged in there, but it was the first Monday night since August that we weren't we weren't a- able to watch any football yeah. on Monday night football. So there will be a void, and it's coming, and we dread it. But I want to ask you this. You know, we talk about the teams, and I'm curious. There, there are two things that come to mind, generally speaking, when, when we're looking at this weekend. Number one, on the field, the two teams in the NFC are built very differently than the two teams in the AFC, as we have talked about on Monday, and we referenced again with Dan Weederer. The infrastructure and then the quarterbacks are plopped in, whereas I feel like with the Bengals and the Chiefs, they're there largely because of their quarterbacks. With due respect to Andy Reid, I know what Alex Smith did before Patrick Mahomes arrived, but you could make the argument they're there mostly because of Burrow and Mahomes. Whereas the Forty ers and the Eagles, they built it, you know, from the ball on out. So that's number one thing I'd like you to think about. Number two, Molly, it's been two weeks since the regular season ended. There are five head coaching openings, and there are still five head coaching openings. Not one has been filled yet. Why?
1: Yeah, I think it's got to be waiting for a shoe to drop. I, 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 to answer the second question first. I, I honestly believe that. Um, that there are – I mean, how many – Sean Payton interviewed for three different openings and uh, would presumably be wanted by uh, – I don't know if he's talking privately with Jerry, if they made a move. I mean, there. I think there are a lot of things that can happen yet, uh, and I don't think Mike McCarthy's out of the woods, um, especially if they make a change, if, if the defensive coordinator leaves. I just think that there are a lot of different things – that are going on, I you know, and, I, and I'm also very curious to see if Sean Payton, wherever he winds up, is is coming with a move for a quarterback. Is it you know is is he you know we don't know who's talking to who or how many different private conversations are going on just among colleagues, among NFL people, among maybe an NFL quarterback or two who might want to go somewhere or not. I, I just think there's a lot, there's a world of possibility, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of you know, kind of uh, crossing of uh, of lines. Um, but once somebody gets a job, you really can't have that conversation anymore because you're representing a team.
4: Which is why I found the whispers and the headline coming out of Denver very interesting. Russell mm-hmm. Wilson has approved Sean Payton. Well, is it that, or is it Sean Payton approving Russell Wilson? Because right. which one has to come first? I don't think that Russell Wilson sounding willing and able and and embracing the idea of Sean Payton coming there. What's he going to say after the season he's had? He's got to be open to change and I think it's a bigger question of whether or not Sean Payton would want to go there and he is probably the first domino. Although if the Cardinals get antsy and Dan Quinn makes a strong impression, they may strike after his second interview. They may go and, and move first and it's going to be one of those things where we wait a couple of weeks. There's nobody filled, and then maybe after one guy gets a job, the other couple will follow.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I I'm not arguing that point. I I got to tell you, if I'm Sean Payton, would I want Russell Wilson? I think I think I've got to look at it through the eyes of the guy going in there rather than the guy there. The the problem, and again. You know, when we talk about these different jobs, uh, Russell Wilson has got a lot of guaranteed money. You know, Cleveland has paid a fortune to a quarterback for kind of strange reasons that we don't quite understand. You look at the Kyler Murray situation in Arizona. These are – when you start talking about quarterbacks and the contracts they get and how this is working out – I don't know, man. I mean, I I think that these are all examples of kind of big money. I'm going to be really curious to see what happens with Lamar Jackson. If you really commit to him or if you're going to try to play on a year-by-year basis or if you can get him for less money, it just feels like a lot of this stuff with the quarterbacks is changing before our eyes because some of these moves that at the time were, wow, look what they did. You know, I think, I think the Chiefs did the right thing. They got the right guy. I don't know that you say that about every guy that's getting paid around here. I
4: think you're right, especially Wilson is a great example of that. You mentioned the Ravens. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. They have the opportunity. They could use the tag on him, certainly, which is why probably John Harbaugh sounded so confident that they would keep him. That's going to give him $31 million guaranteed if he takes it and signs it. That's not bad next year certainly he turned down 133 that's he, he may regret that but molly when when we're talking about the four teams left they're more similar to the eagles right because of the way that they have built around they have everything yeah. else sort of uh, correct and they built and the quarterback happens to be somebody that you know became an mvp and then they built around him but now that he's gone they have such a strong infrastructure that you, you think the Ravens are always going to be competitive. Maybe they can afford to move on from Lamar Jackson because Tyler Huntley can be a guy that they can win with. I don't know. I think it's always fascinating to see, we t- talk about the takeaways, how teams are built that are good and how teams that are sustaining, sustaining success do that on a, on a year-in, year-out basis.
1: I agree with you. I, I think if indeed, you know, I know you, uh, you're all over the big story with Brock Purdy. If indeed they get to the Super Bowl, if they somehow win the Super Bowl with a rookie 7th round pick at quarterback, does that change the way I don't think it's going to change the way we view Brock Purdy. I'm sure it will, but I don't think it's going to change his role in the team, in other words, the way that he's deployed, but maybe it changes the way we think about quarterbacks. Uh, Is if, if you are a good enough team and as you said, you know, the Christian McCaffrey move was huge. By the way, that's also a big injury to keep your eye on um, and because both those running backs may be compromised uh, in that game if, indeed, you are following the injury report starting today. Um, but that is a different way of winning than we have seen before, to put the team together without concern for the quarterback. And then once you go through a couple of – you know, I, I got to tell you, I think that Brock Purdy – is asked to do less than Trey Lance would. I think Brock Purdy is asked to do less than than Jimmy Garoppolo would. So I think, in a way, the less you demand of your quarterback may be one way to win that we had never considered.
4: Only if you trust your front office. Only if you have a good front office that has earned that trust. The only reason the 49ers are in this position to where they are on their third quarterback and they can turn to... Brock Purdy, to rely on him to keep, keep the train on the tracks is because they did such a good job with that defensive front. They have drafted intelligently in the secondary. They have an offensive line that they have you know used some pieces and, and replaced some guys and, and done that at a high level. And they have weaponry that complements a scheme that they trust. You, look, we had, we had in Chicago – what, what the 40, what, what they wanted to do what the 49ers have done, and that is make everything about the scheme, everything about the, the brain power of your coach. You know, Kyle Shanahan is what every offensive minded coach wants to be when he becomes a head coach, and frankly, what every franchise is looking for when they hire an offensive minded coach.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so true. It is. But I mean, there's so much that goes into the game of football. The, the reason football is our kind of well, – I don't want to say it's our national pastime, but frankly it's kind of replaced baseball as our national pastime. The reason it's such a great game is the blend that you need, right? You need – there's there's different ways of skinning a cat. There's different ways of winning in football. You need different things. The easiest way is to get the best quarterback and have that guy be the guy in charge. Uh, and, and you kind of ride him to your fate, but there are other ways of doing it. Thank you. There are other ways of winning, and we've seen it. It's not as sustainable as having the great quarterback, but we've seen teams pop up with unbelievable defense. It's just, you, you know, when you've got the quarterback, you know you're going to be 500 no matter what. You've already won half your games, and that's a question of, of how you do in the in the rest of them. Uh, but I don't know that you can say that if you don't have the quarterback. But this is still kind of fascinating to watch.
4: It's the easiest way, but it's not the only way. Right. And I think that those of us in Chicago have been watching the Bears for so long, and this is, this goes back to the way this season sort of unfolded. There were, there were so many other things that the Bears were neglecting or have neglected, maybe intentionally, maybe not. But when you look at the roster, that was what was so frustrating to to watch on a week-in, week-out basis, even though maybe they did get the quarterback right this time. Yeah, yeah. And Justin Fields might be that guy. It, it offended a lot of people's football sensibilities because the other things that need to be in place and could, frankly, be in place, and then you, then, then you find out if the quarterback is going to work, which is what the Eagles did and what the 49ers did. That's why I think it was so, like, hard to watch because that's why we still believe the Bears are so far away. They haven't gotten those two things right on either side of the ball yet, even though they have the quarterback.
1: Yeah, yeah. Even if you have the quarterback, you still need the line of scrimmage, right? You still need to be able to overwhelm some teams. You still need to be able to pressure the opposing quarterback. There, there are – you know, the, that was the thing about the Bears, the Bears' defensive line. and And, you know, I felt bad – after the season ended, and all the you know it came out that there was not a lot of communication and a lot of people were upset about, they just weren't good enough. The defensive line wasn't good enough to have a winning season, as simple yeah. as that. And they, they lost the games they <laughs> lost. They lost 14 bloody games, the most ever in franchise history, in part because they couldn't win at the line of scrimmage. They couldn't didn't. stop
4: anybody. There was no resistance. You think Justin Jones had a list of grievances? Imagine if the fans were making theirs. (laughs) You know, they get tired of watching them run the ball on third and two and not being able to get a pass rush on third and long. The defense was so bad, it really didn't matter what kind of culture you had. That's great moving forward to next year, but watching last season, 14 losses, the reason was not necessarily anything else except for a lack of talent.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, uh, you know, you look at, a team like the Niners and you say, okay, the quarterback isn't asked to do a lot, but guess what? He's, he's protected. You know, they, they, they can win the line of scrimmage. They have the time to make those long handoffs, whatever. And I, and I know that I'm downplaying his ability in your mind, but I think that, I think that it's, it's a really good situation. He's shown great composure and, and and yet that's really all he needs to show. Whereas you know you could argue that Jalen Hurts is in a more difficult position because if he doesn't make plays, they're not going to win. If if he can't run this thing, and they got a great defense, and they got they they have a you know they got pro bowlers all over the field. But if the quarterback doesn't make the the, the operation move, you know they're now, in trouble.
4: That's a question for tomorrow morning's pick six. Okay, because I I do think. I need to think about that. What you yep. basically said is a very, very interesting to consider. Does Jalen Hurts need to do more than Brock Purdy to win the game for the Eagles? I, obviously, people say, well, yeah, of course. But Brock Purdy, at some point in time, is going to have to make a play. He's going to have to deliver a pass. And, and what is, who, who has the most pressure on him to excel in the NFC Championship game? Which quarterback? That's a really fascinating question.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that in the morning too because this is going to go on all damn week, for God's sake, Mr. David. All right, we've got uh, we've got to keep moving forward. I-, I love talking about the NFL, man. I got to tell you, it is so much fun to consider these games and to look for the blueprints out of them that may give a little hint as to what uh, the local team needs to do. We're going to uh, bring in... Uh, Chris Chelios next. We'll talk to Chelly. It's Mully. It's Hall at Chicago Sports Radio. 6-7 the score.
0: Chris Chelios. Up the boards to Chelios with Rome. He shoots. Score!
1: Bet MGM ambassador. Nice play by Chris Chelios. Hall of Famer. Chris Chelios is not human. I'm convinced of it. Not only will he go in the Hall of Fame, I think he should go in the Smithsonian. Black Hawks legend. Chelios
0: will add defense, but he'll also add offense to the Hawks. Deep Smith ahead to Murphy. Time Stanley Cup Champion. What a competitor Chris Chelios has been over the years,
1: and he's been a winner every place he's ever been. Chris Chelios with Mully and Haw on 670 to score. Mully and Haw, Chicago, Sports Radio, 670 to score. Always a delight to talk to Chris Chelios. And he joins us now on the signature bank score hotline. Signature bank making commercial banking personal. Chris, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? You know, we're doing okay. We got no real complaints. Who are we kidding? Um, it's okay. not like we're Bruce Boudreau and we've gotten dumped in the middle of a show or something. Oh, man. That was rough, yeah, that
3: huh? was. Uh, yeah, that was some coaching firing drama. I've never seen anything like that before, but uh, I, I don't think he deserved that, but, uh, you know, he's a good coach for sure, and I think they could have handled that a lot better than they did.
4: Rick Tockett gets the job. I know that he's been around for a while. They're looking for – they had experience in Bruce Boudreaux, so I don't know what they're thinking. But meanwhile, with the Hawks, they lose a game last night against the Canucks, and I know nobody probably stayed up to watch that game. But, Chelly, help me understand this, and I didn't stay up to watch the end of it, just the beginning of it, they're outshot 48 to 14. Were they sleepwalking yeah. on skates? What? How does a team get shot outshot 48 to
3: 14? I don't think the Hawks stayed up for that either. Meaning the players. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. Honestly, I don't want to make excuses, but that first trip out west, when you're, that road trip, it's actually like a nine o'clock game. You know, sometimes, and it's they got off to a decent start. Obviously, Canard, you know, it was good to see him score, but you know, it, it, it just. There's no excuse for that, uh, not showing up like that and getting out shot that bad. You know, poor Mrazek, they left him hanging to the dry there. Um, but again, you know, new coach like you mentioned, talking hard-nosed guy, uh, no old-school kind of coach. Uh, you know, I'm sure the players like like always when there's a coaching change, they just they get a little bit of a a boost of adrenaline there, different voice in the room, and probably trying to impress the new coach. And that 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 seemed to be the case last night.
1: I, uh, I'm lucky enough to have been to Vancouver. That is a fantastic town. I mean, I, I get the whole jet lag thing and the body clock and all that, but that's also just a great town. I wonder, Chris, what, what is your favorite stop in the NHL? When, when you were playing, what was the best town to go to?
3: I should say Vancouver because I had those two back-to-back overtime goals and you know had a lot of success against the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. It's a beautiful city. Most of the time when we made that trip, it included uh, a a ski trip. So, you know, whether it was Calgary going to Banff or you know Vancouver going to Whistler, you know, we always look forward to going out west for those trips. Usually a five-six game road trip. Um, You just still can't beat New York. And if you ask players around the league, Chicago is still you know one of the top cities for those guys to visit too. It's just a smaller New York and a lot easier and to get to places. So, uh, but for sure, you, you go to Canada. Uh, just the atmosphere and the energy in the buildings. And then you, you mentioned Vancouver. It is a beautiful city other than, you know, they might get a little rain, you know, here and there in the, in the summertime.
4: Well, Kelly, I think if Hawks fans are worried about the, the, you know, the standings and where they are in relation to the Bedard sweepstakes they were encouraged by the last two losses in a row because they had started to play pretty well. And one of those victories they had before the two-game losing streak was in Philadelphia, 4-1 to over the Flyers last Thursday night, I believe. First time since they won in Philadelphia since 1996, I think it was. You were on the ice the last time that happened for the Hawks. You remember that one? And how do you explain that kind of a streak?
3: There is no explanation. Like, some, you know, some teams just match up good against others, but that's not the case, obviously, because they haven't had a lot of success against Philly. I, I was surprised. But again, uh, you know, when they play well and they show signs of a team, like, if, if, you know, if they play well, play well defensively it's not like they don't get the chances offensively. They just don't have that finisher like, you know, to it. Or, you know, you you see the year Hagel's having. So it it just is, like I said, I hate to use that phrase, it is what it is. They need, you know, they need some help. And, you know, hopefully the Bedard sweepstakes and, you know, other guys in the draft, they're going to have to do really well in the draft to make this this rebuild a quicker one, hopefully.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because Luke Richardson described the Hawks as an old-school hockey team. I I mean, I don't know if I agree with that um, way of looking at it. Are they an old school hockey team? And what does that mean?
3: Honestly, I don't. I I really didn't get that either. Um, To (laughs) me, old school means like rock'em, sock'em, hockey, physical. You know, so I'd have to ask Luke what I see and what he meant by that. Um, uh, But, uh, yeah, I I, I don't get that one. (laughs) So,
4: Chelly, Ottawa had a scout. Uh, the last couple Hawks games, I believe, I, I know that's one of the, the teams that has now come up in, in trade talk. It, not just Kane and Taze, but you wonder about Domi. You wonder about some other veterans on this team. You wonder if they're going to flip Lafferty, possibly. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Are you hearing any new rumors that it p- pertains to Hawk veterans?
3: I mean, for sure, Domi's been mentioned. There's been four or five teams I've heard that you know, are interested in him. You know, Kane and Taze, again, you know, that, that's totally up to them. I don't think... You know, from everything I've heard, they haven't given anybody the green light that they want to go anywhere, and it's you know that's on them. And uh, you know, I've lost, I guess I got mixed emotions about that. We've talked about it before, and I I'd, I'd, I'd like to see them just you know, go through this, and, and hopefully, it's quicker than you know th- than this rebuild is quicker, and they don't have to suffer through this this type of the hockey. But uh You know, there's a lot of guys, and the Hawks, you know, they're going to try and get whatever they can, these picks, and and build up that draft and and try and, you know, get some – they're going to have to do a great job, like I said, in this draft. And if it takes giving up more guys before – the, it's a terrible time of the year for guys, you know, to have to think about that.
1: Chris, we'll let you go. Just curious, um, what's your take on the championship games in the NFL? You got got, uh, Cincy – at the Chiefs with an injured Patrick Mahomes and you got uh uh San Francisco crossing the continent to play at Philly and they're on the third quarterback.
3: Yeah, I mean since he's got, you know, Casey's number winning the last three against them, so I'm gonna pick them to be in the Super Bowl. Um, I think this story with the third string quarterback that did the, the I want San Francisco, but that Eagles team is tough. So I, I, I'm thinking Philly and Cincy in the finals. All right. In the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Stanley Cup. <laughs> Super Bowl. Hockey guy. That's hockey all right. There you go. That's yeah, all right, Chris. You're well, the best, I, got, Chris. I, got, yeah, I got an excuse, you guys. It's my birthday. You guys, I was hoping you'd met. Hey, that, happy you. birthday. Happy birthday, Chris.
4: Where are you going yeah, for your
1: birthday? I still celebrate
3: them. Uh, I actually went to Park City, Utah, for some oh. skiing and snowboarding. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow, that's
1: awesome. God bless you. Thanks
3: for getting up, 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 up out
4: there. That's early. Yeah, we
1: appreciate it.
3: No, that's all right. I'm up. All right, uh, we buddy. we got some snow, and it's going to be a fun day. Be careful out there.
1: Happy birthday. Yeah, you
3: guys. All right, guys. Thank you.
1: That is Chris Chelios. Come on, man. That's bad prep work. How, How do did, we not know it's I'll birthday. take the dagger on that. How I, did I, we not I, know I, that I one? I not see it. Oh, oh my man. my God. We
4: remembered Ozzy's. We wished him a belated happy yes, birthday. We missed Chelios. He, He's our guy.
1: Oh, my God. That's humiliating. I don't know. Just embarrassed to be me right now. Is it Will
4: Purdue's birthday?
1: I hope so. We can because we're I'm talking to Google him it. next. We're definitely going <laughs> to Google it. It's Molly and you know, I on Chicago Sports Radio six seven of the score.